0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 2.
1: Greetings, conversationalists across America. I am delighted to have you with me. It is Eric Erickson. This happens to be my show. Yes, face for radio, voice for print. You're stuck with me. 877-973-7425 if you wish to be on the program. Very, very happy to have you. I got to begin with this story from ProPublica. I don't fault them. Don't want anyone to hear me say ProPublica should not have done this. Let me read you just the, the headline and, and the subtitle here Wealthy executives make millions trading competitor stock with remarkable timing. Never before seen IRS records show that CEOs are sometimes making multi million dollar bets on the stocks of direct competitors and partners and doing so with exquisite timing. On February 21st, 2018, August Trundle, an Ohio billionaire, made a remarkably well-timed stock trade. He sold $1.1 million worth of shares of Cineo's health the day before a management shakeup caused the company's stock to plunge 16%. It was the largest one-day drop that year for Sinios' share price. The company was one Trottle Newell. He is the CEO of Medpace, one of Sinios' chief competitors in a niche industry. Both Cineos and Medpace handle clinical trials for biopharma companies, and that year they had jointly launched a trade association for companies in the field. The day after selling the Cineos shares in February 2018, Toronto bought again at least $3.9 million worth. The value of a Cineos stake then rose 75% of the year that followed. In February 2019, Toronto sold much of that position, netting $2.3 million in profit. Two days later, Cineos disclosed that the Securities and Exchange Commission was investigating its accounting practices. The news sent the company's shares tumbling. Toronto's sale avoided a 25% loss, the stock's largest decline in a short period during either of the previous years. Now, this shows a pattern of the wealthy and well-connected doing things like this, which none of you can really be surprised by that, can you? The wealthy and well-heeled, they have connections in business and hear a level of gossip about businesses, particularly competitors you and I don't. There's nothing to allege insider trading here. It's probably he got a uh, wind of something happening. There is, in fact, a lot of uh, non-public information out there about rivals that their competitors can get. And so they can make money. There's nothing wrong with that. At that level, you get access to information. What's interesting, however, about all of this is not really what the executives did. ProPublica would like you to think that what the executives did is the trouble and what executives did should bother you. And and the allegations, for instance, of insider training, insider training, insider trading, what should bother you is that ProPublica got this information from someone at the IRS. Someone in the IRS leaked information. No other executives in ProPublica's database appear to have traded in shares of rival companies on the scale of Isaac Larian, the CEO of MGA Entertainment, whose Bratz fashion dolls competed with Mattel's Barbie dolls, Larian traded hundreds of millions of dollars worth of his rival securities between 2005 and 19. Records show Larian also traded, often profitably, in shares of Hasbro, another close competitor. Over a recent five-year span, Larian earned about $28 million in profit on Mattel trades. That equates to an 11% return on his investment, which sounds like a modest outcome until you consider the Mattel stock crash by 57% during the same period. MGA and Mattel are fierce competitors. Larian has poached Mattel employees, and he frequently lashes out at the company on social media and cable news. He used mocking nicknames to describe Mattel executives in public, referring to former general counsel Bob Normiel as Bob Abnormal, and refers to the company as the evil empire. Mattel and MGA have sued and countersued each other. Larian's rival filed suit in 2004 claiming MGA had stolen the idea for Bratz, its first success. The litigation dragged on for years, with Mattel ultimately claiming victory, with MGA claiming victory after an appeal. Through it all, Larian was buying and selling Mattel stock. Again, the pattern of trading suggests some of these CEOs do have inside information the rest of us don't have, which I'm not surprised by at their level. It doesn't really suggest insider trading to me, it does suggest they do have better information because they're a competitor to the business. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what is wrong is the fact that people in the IRS are leaking the information to ProPublica. This is not the first time it's happened. People within the IRS have also leaked the personal income tax records of billionaires and millionaires to ProPublica. The IRS and our taxation system in this country is based on voluntary compliance. No one comes to your home with a billy club and threatens to break your kneecaps if you don't pay taxes. When I was uh, in law school, I had a criminal law professor. Uh, I did not like criminal law. I'll just tell you, it was my worst grade in law school. I think I got a C. Uh, Generally, got A's or or B pluses in law school. Did not graduated with honors in law school. Did not like criminal law at all. It was just to me, it was uh, that aspect of criminal law was too theoretical and it was too abstract. I I didn't. The teacher was fine. Um, I just I didn't like it at all. There was this great rumor in law school that the, that the professor, the criminal law professor, would throw, the, um, would throw the tests down the staircase and whichever landed first got the highest grade, whichever landed last got the worst grade. I kind of believed it. I didn't think I did as bad as my grade was in the class. Although, normally, so when I was in law school, I have a claim, if you ask anyone I went to law school with, the first thing they will tell you about going to law school with me is that I was always the first one done. Always the first one done. And the quicker I took the test, these are, now, so you set the stage, you're in in law school. Your exams tend to be essays, long essays. You get four hours. You have like two or three questions, and you get four hours. In law school, the quicker I was done, the better I did. One of my best grades in law school was commercial transactions. That is portion of the uniform commercial code, business litigation, bankruptcy, things like that. I got, that was a four hour test. I was done in an hour and I made a 99% highest grade in the class. My constitutional law, my next door neighbors, my con law was my con law professor. Four hour exam, got done in an hour and a half, made a 95. My criminal law, four hour class, it took me almost four hours through the exam, got a 78. Worst grade in law school. Hated criminal law. I was a terrible criminal. I felt bad for the indigent defendants who had me as their lawyer. I handled their cases fine, but I hated it. My point in talking about the criminal law stuff here, though, and, and uh, litigation in the law school and taking tax law and stuff is that there's voluntary compliance. And my criminal law professor, whose class I didn't particularly love, the about the only thing I remember in the class was this. He said, what's the difference between the mob and the federal government? The only difference is that when you don't pay the mob, they send Big Louie to your house to break your kneecaps. The federal government just sends an IRS agent to audit you. And maybe you'll go to jail for a couple of years. In other words, dealing with the mob is worse than dealing with the government. Dealing with government still has its problems. But the IRS and our tax system is about voluntary compliance. And when the IRS starts leaking millionaires and billionaires' tax records so that journalists can write hit jobs on them, fairly or not, the reality is that they'll stop voluntarily complying. They will find ways to hide their money. Just as they have access to information you and I do not have, they have access to detailed accountants and accounting teams that you and I do not have and financial advisors that you and I do not have and the mass amount of money that we don't have to be able to move that money around and avoid their taxes. Our system depends on the confidentiality and the fact that the IRS got $87 billion, could they not call in the FBI or an inspector general or someone to investigate these leaks? You and I can say this is great. This is great information. The SEC should be engaged in insider trading investigations now that they have this information. But they shouldn't have it. They shouldn't have it. The very fact that someone gave it to ProPublica is itself a crime. There, there, there are implications of insider trading here. Implications. The actual crime is that someone leaked the information to ProPublica from the Internal Revenue Service. Someone at the Internal Revenue Service needs to go to prison. It undermines the integrity of our tax system that someone at the IRS can, with impunity, leak the information of Americans and get away with it. Today, they're doing it to the millionaires and billionaires. Next week, It could be the conservative talk show host next month it could be the conservative activist next year it could be just regular old joe schmo who said he didn't like joe biden on facebook the left is weaponizing the irs and by the way for progressives who say this is no big deal wait until the republicans take back the white house You know the day will come. There's no such thing as permanence in politics. You're setting precedents with this that the right will surely grab hold of. Can you imagine Donald Trump as president of the United States and suddenly the tax returns of left-wing organizations start getting leaked? The tax returns of progressive donors to the Democratic Party start getting leaked? Do you think that the right won't cover them? You think the right won't give them to You think ProPublica won't write about the leaks? They will, even though they're on the left. They would eat that up because what do they hate more than Republicans? Billionaires. Sets a dangerous precedent, y'all. It undermines faith in the tax system. It undermines the integrity of a voluntary system. They can allege shenanigans all they want but the actual law being broken is releasing someone's tax records to members of the media. There should be an investigation. Janet Yellen should, in fact, investigate this to figure out what the heck has actually happened, who did it, and who should go to prison. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had, like, kid sheets, and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him Bowling Branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer, and he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bowl and Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my uh, seriously, my kid—he's uh, suddenly like my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now, and uh, it's just a a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress, too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed, and it fits. It doesn't, like, bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order, Bowling Branch Sheets, when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Boland Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. How's about we take some phone calls on this open line Friday, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program, and we're going to be even a little looser than we might otherwise be in large part because I'm going on vacation next week. You won't have me. Stephen, you're going to be up first. Welcome, Stephen, to The Eric Erickson Show.
0: Hey Eric, thanks for taking my call. Sure, I, I wanted to make you aware if you weren't already. In 2021, Congress passed a bill called the Corporate Transparency Act, and basically, this is in uh, under the guise of fighting terrorism. But what it boils down to, the Treasury Department is requiring. This is not voluntary. This is a requirement that any shareholder of a Registered LLC, corporation, partnership in any state, uh, any shareholder that owns 25% or more must submit a benefit of ownership report that includes their full name, their personal residence, their date of birth, social security number, and a picture ID. And this information goes to FinCEN, Financial Crimes and Enforcement who answers to the Treasury Department. Well, guess who has access to this database that is under the care of the Treasury Department? The Internal Revenue Service. Wow. So it is uh, a requirement beginning January 1st of 2024. If you have not filed that report by the end of 2024, the fine is $500 a day up to ten thousand dollars and then it becomes a criminal issue wow so if you're if you hold 25 percent or more of an llc or a corporation that's registered in the state of georgia guess what you have to do next year eric
1: that's absurd. Yeah, I guess I'll have to do it. Um, it's uh, an invasion of privacy, absurd, and, and the the regulatory structure on this stuff. And of course, you know, if Republicans later repeal it and something anything happens in any business, the Democrats will blame the Republicans for repealing a regulation that had absolutely nothing to do with whatever the problem will be. Uh, that's just what they do these days. Good grief. Right. And, um,
0: well, I'm enrolled to practice before Internal Revenue Service and have been doing this before I was legal drinking age. And I'm just trying to spread the gospel of compliance so that, these, yeah. so that you know, these small business owners will not get caught with their pants down. And honestly, there aren't a lot of CPAs or professionals out there that even know about this yet. Good
1: grief. Yeah, I, I just say the, the – the, and, you know, so part of the problem here, Stephen, and you know this being in compliance is the amount of energy that you have to do to just keep up with this crap just for the rest of us.
0: Just, oh, man. absolutely. And there are, there are a lot of folks in my industry that are just walking away from their practice. They've been doing this for 25, 30 years in the regulations and the fees that you have to pay every year to treasury just to stay in the industry. And again, the fines, um, you know, at $500 per instance, if you don't ask the right question of a client who's claiming earned income credit had a household, I mean, it's on you. It's no longer the taxpayer's responsibility. You as the professional are going to get hit with fines if you don't ask the right questions and notate
1: it. Yeah, oh, And just drives up everybody else's costs. Listen, man, I appreciate you sharing. I really do. Thank you so much. And have a great weekend on that. It's just the burden of being a small businessman in this country and then to have the left vilify you as rich when you're not because you happen to own a business is infuriating. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Open Line Friday, 877 973 7425. I will spend time this half hour with your phone calls. I got a quick story before I get back to the phone calls, though. Y'all know I'm a big fan of and friends with Rich McCormick. Now, for those of you who don't know who he is, when I was a kid, there was an ad for the Marines. You may remember It, it was the chess pieces on the board. And the Marine uh, is, is one, I think he's the knight on horseback or some such and and fights and wins and, and reveals himself to be an actual Marine. That actual Marine was actually Rich McCormick, uh, who was and is a marine ER doctor and now a member of Congress. So my old website, redstate.com, uh, one of the one of the writers put up a plea several months ago and said, "My granddad, I think he's like a 100 years old, Granddad's a hundred. 90 to 100, was on the beaches of Iwo Jima and just wants to talk to a Marine, wants to tell war stories with a young Marine, and they couldn't get anybody to come talk to the grand. The granddad had tried, uh, the, the family had tried, and so the writer just put an open plea up on Red State, hey, does, or on, on Twitter, anybody know anyone in the Marines who could just get some young Marine to come hang out with my granddad And let him tell his war stories from Iwo Jima. And Rich saw it. He reached out to me and forgot I wasn't with Red State anymore. But I knew the guy and reached out to him and and said, hey, uh, McCormick would love to help you. Well, (laughs) now Congressman McCormick called the Marine Corps Commandant. And the, the guy... Uh, Jim, whose granddad was involved, sent me pictures. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven young Marines showed up uh in in their formal dress with all their medals on their chests and hung out with his granddad because Rich McCormick saw his tweet and made a phone call. That's just good for Congressman McCormick. What a what a nice guy. What a great thing for the Marines to do. Uh I um there's a local Harley dealership near me and the owner of the Harley dealership Mr. Grover, he passed away a year or so ago he had been in the military was a brilliant mechanic and actually there were uh, two Corsairs, the the fighter jets that they use in the Pacific and he they've been badly damaged on the aircraft carrier and they were going to be pushed overboard but the the captain of the ship, Allowed Mister Grover to take the front of one, put it on the back of the other, and it worked. And he actually uh, was involved in he went the advance team to take back the Philippines from MacArthur, and I got to hang out with him and hear his stories of putting these the front and the back of this plane together to save the plane and get it back up. and And he was standing at a urinal one day as a as a sergeant, and had some guy come back come in next to him start using the bathroom right next to him, asked him what the guy was doing the next week. The guy said he actually had uh, leave time. And the man says, no, you're not. You're coming with me. And he turned over. It was General MacArthur standing there, peeing next to him, telling him he wanted him to come with him back to the Philippines. It's just, just amazing stories how they would dig pits at night on their way back into the Philippines. They would dig these pits to sleep in because the Japanese would strafe the islands. And you had to dig down deep enough in order to be on the island uh, and not get hit by the Japanese as they strafe the plane. But if you dug too deep, you got into cobra beds, and you could wake up in the night and have a cobra on you. So everybody slept with their, hand, with their pistol loaded, not for the Japs, but for the Cobras. It's just fascinating, fascinating stories. We lose those oral histories, and it's just brilliant of the Marines to send some young guys out to hang out with this uh, gentleman who was on the beaches uh, of Iwo Jima. Just, just. That's just a cool story. All right, to the phones, 877-973-7425. Let's begin. Uh, Zello, am I pronouncing your name right?
2: Zello, yes,
3: sir. Eric, Excellent. first time, Welcome. long time. Nice to talk to you. Thank you.
1: Hey, I like that, by the way, first time, long time. It gets what you're meaning without all the words. <laughs> mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. I want you to know I've been here. I love you and Hannity and all you guys. Thank you. The so What's life. going on? So you were speaking on reparations earlier, correct? Yep. Okay. So I had a question to kind of relate to it. Um, if a company poisoned a body of water and we found out years later that the families and the communities that were near their body of water had been poisoned, cancer developed, all those types of things, would that company not be liable to make that family whole and they can't really do anything but give them money at this point. Correct. Would you say that's not relatable to the case of reparations that you're saying don't make any sense? No,
1: uh, I, I don't think so because, uh, we sent a bunch of people on battlefields to die, uh, to end slavery.
3: And that would be the cost of, of slavery and everything else that happened afterwards.
1: Yeah, I I, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, it, it's not a perfect system. Uh, even when, for example, this company makes payment to the families, the, the spillover effects for the chemicals of the water and whatnot can last a very long time. We don't make the company keep going back to the well to pay more money to future generations, also having the same problems. And I would equate the same thing with slavery, that uh, more Americans died in the Civil War uh, Than all other wars combined, up until about five That's years right. ago. Uh, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of blood spilled, um, and so yeah, I I, I think that the spilling of the blood for slavery doesn't mean the problems didn't maintain over time, but they've certainly gotten better over time. Just as in your analogy, the the chemicals begin to fade over time in the waterways and stuff, but we don't keep making the company come back and pay future generations. No. I did I, this new
3: concept of the uh, the lives being the cost of reparations. That's a new one. That's a new one. I haven't thought about that one. I'll have to think about that one.
1: Yeah, I, I just <laughs> look. I, I listen. I I I don't want to. I don't want to deny that. Uh, black people in this country have been treated horribly. No one can deny that. And we can't deny that after uh, reconstruction, Lincoln wanted to just bring the South back, say bygones and move on. Uh, the radical Republicans decided to make the South pay a price. And then the South also decided to make black people pay a price for daring to earn their freedom. We can't deny that. And we can not also deny, I think that a lot of people in the North were willing to send their sons to die on a battlefield to to end slavery. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I, I, it's, it's a more complex issue than throwing money at it. And, and I, I don't know whether, Zella, you would agree with me or not, but I do personally think that if we did throw money at the problem, let's say, all right, every black family in this country that proves their legacy of slavery, we're going to give them a million dollars. Tomorrow, every single person who cared enough to give a million dollars is going to say, you know what, Stop complaining. We gave you a million yeah, dollars. Square. Shut the hell up. Yeah, yeah, we're square. Wouldn't that be great for you guys to be square and <laughs> yeah, not
3: have this I, looming over you for all these just, times? The
1: problems <laughs> would still be there, and, and all these people who gave money would say, no, 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 We're We're done now. It's on you now. And I personally, wow. I, I have a How
3: more How could com- there be problems there when there's no racism to be found?
1: Well, listen, and I And all I we're still talking think-
3: about is all the wrong that may have been done. Yes. And let's I, pay back for that I, one.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I, I mean, and this is it, honestly, I, and I don't mean to be flippant with you because there are still problems and there are still racists and, and there are people who still have problems. And I think writing a check will make some people feel really good that they have done something meaningful and the problems will still be there. As long as we have sin in the world, this is going to be a sin we deal with. Uh, I'm opposed to reparations for a lot of problems. One of them being I do think it, it it undermines the case of the blood spilt uh to to free slaves and another is because you and I both know what will happen. The problems won't go away, but the care about, know about the problems that. will.
3: I, yeah. I, I, a lot of problems will clear up pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I okay, think you well, guys some would be for some. Some for some, <laughs> but but not for all. But again, it, it, that, that goes back to, if we're using your analogy again on, on the, the corporations, that still goes back to all these people who died, lots of them, family story. I was actually reading, it's funny, I, I didn't actually didn't talk about the subject, until I saw the AP story um, about the San Francisco project, but I was reading about Samuel uh, Howe, Julia Ward Howe's husband, who funded John Brown's raid. Uh, and instead of going to jail, he got promoted within the union, which drove confederates insane that this man was there he dedicated his entire life to um, helping freed men from the south rebuild their lives uh and i actually it wasn't a story that i knew he got started he went to the greek revolution against the turks and helped the greeks fight for their freedom and then came home and saw the the situation with slaves in the south the exact same way he saw the greeks and the turks and fought for their their rights he funded john brown's raid He went to Canada during the war. He interviewed freedmen to educate Abraham Lincoln on the fact that a black man given an education was no different than a white man. There weren't two, they weren't two species of people, contrary to what Southerners claimed. Did a lot of education in the North. We forget about those stories of people. We forget about the people who died and the reparations movement. I know it sounds good to people that we're just going to give payout to redress these historic problems, but. A whole lot of as people one would die. do
3: if they had legal recourse in a situation such as this.
1: Yeah, you know, yes. If people had legal recourse, and and we're dealing with problems that have lasted in this country for a very long time, that are problems with the nature of man and government, and I don't think reparations is the solution. It would, in addition to generating bad will don't think would solve all the problems, but would also cause a lot of people to wash their hands of it. But listen, I, I know we're not going to agree on this, but I sure enjoy you calling and listening, and I hope you have a great weekend.
3: Oh, I'll just pull up my pants and you're forever in my debt. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Man, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Jason, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi there. Hello. hi there.
2: Okay. Um, I'm, my name is Jason. I'm calling out of Athens, Georgia. I'm a black male, born and raised in the South. If you Google black slave owners of the South, you will find out that they were over just in the state of Virginia. You had over 6,000 black plantation owners. They owned slaves, but they gave them the emancipation because they became hired hands and they became wealthy. There was a pictures and there's pictures and pictures of them. There's over 6,000 of them. They're well-dressed, they're wealthy, and all of them were making money out of cotton. Just in the state of South Carolina, the third richest person in South Carolina during the days of slavery was a black man. He made cotton gins, and he also repaired them. He had seven men who were slaves, who he gave them their freedom, and they went throughout the South fixing the cotton gins. Everybody was making a lot of money during the days of slavery. You had over 300 300,000 black men and women who were not slaves who were living in the South. They own their own shops, their own businesses. There's all the stuff that I'm talking about can be proven just by going online and, and uh, Googling it. And it mm-hmm. makes me sick that black people in this country are listening to Joe Biden and CNN telling them what is racism and what's not. Okay? You have thousands of black people walking a thousand miles to get to this racist country. We live in the best country in the world. I am proud to be a black person in this country. I'm well-educated. I'm a registered nurse. And I was taught by my father, you do it best and you can get get what you want in this country living the American dream.
1: Well, God and bless your father. I'm tired of black people
2: thinking that white people owe them anything. They don't owe us nothing. Just go to work.
1: Well, listen, Jason. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. You know, you you remind me of the story I, I heard from it was Dave Chappelle actually about William Ellison, uh, and he's who you're talking about. Uh, William Ellison was a uh, slave who became a slave owner and fixed the cotton gins uh, to keep uh, the 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 um, the slaves enslaved and. When the war broke out, William Ellison supported the Confederate States of America and funded funded the the Confederate Army. William Ellison, a uh, black slave turned slave owner, who funded the Confederate Army because he was making a killing at fixing the cotton gins and uh, didn't want slavery to go. I, I I would never have known that history, but for a. Uh, uh, a Dave Chappelle stand-up bit. Um, all right, we, we got to take a commercial break. I, I'm enjoying the calls, 877-973-7425. I got to tell you right now about Advantage Gold. You can call them at 800-450-2566, not to complain about me, but I actually ask them questions about using gold in your portfolio. 401k, IRA, individual investing, the rules are different for each, and Advantage Gold can explain them to you. They can explain how you use gold in your portfolio, how it can ease the ebbs and flows of inflation, the wild stock market ride that we're on right now. They're deeply educational. What I love about them is when I was vetting these companies, I was reaching out to a number of them just on my own, didn't tell them who I was, had questions. They were one of the very few that wasn't gimmicky. They they didn't spam me when I called. They didn't keep bothering me. They wanted to answer my questions. Not only did they want to answer my questions, but they actually satisfied a lot of the answers I had. They're TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. I can see why. If you don't believe just reach out to them yourself 800-450-2566 with the turbulence in the stock market and all advantage gold might be able to bring you up to speed on how to use gold for your retirement strategies for your general investing strategies 800-450-2566 800 450 this hour of the program is brought to you by first liberty building and loan if you are involved in the finances of a business not for individuals but for businesses In your business, you're buying a business, you're building a building, you're growing your company, you need $750,000 or more, FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you, FirstLibertyGA.com. They've been making their own business decisions since the 1990s. I know the Frost family. These are genuinely good people, great business people, great Christian conservatives. They're involved in politics. They want to help your business grow. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. All right, we got a lot of other stuff to do. I don't have time right here to take phone calls and do justice, so stay on the lines, 877-973-7425. I'll come back, and we will start, but right now, I got to tell you, uh, the Internet is a useless garbage place, <laughs> which you already know. So um, do you know who Meg White – do you know who the white stripes are? Jack Jack White and Meg White – Okay, Meg White is not a great drummer. She's a good drummer. She's a proficient drummer. She's a great drummer for the White Stripes. But in the history of rock and roll drummers, she's not a fantastic drummer. And this has been widely, when the White Stripes came out, widely acknowledged that she was proficient at what she did, but she wasn't considered like some uh, fantastic drummer. My buddy Dan McLaughlin, who writes at National Review, wrote as much... It was acknowledged by a reporter named Lachlan Markey that this was true, and the left went nuts for daring to have the audacity to say she's not a great drummer, and she's not. And the reporter Lachlan was re- was forced to apologize to people being offended. And all of these these woke uh, leftists in, in uh, rock and roll publications came out and blasted him for having the audacity. Jack White dragged himself into the controversy over his ex-wife to praise her skills. Now, here's the irony. One of the media organizations where the reporters piled on this guy for criticizing Meg White, the drummer, their original reviews of the White Stripes all noted that she was not a great drummer. They haven't memory hold any of it. you. Go read that at, at the time it was fine to say she was not a great drummer. She was the weak link in the group. Now a conservative had the audacity to say the same thing, and everybody's gotta be canceled for criticizing Meg White, who is objectively not a great, she's fine for what she is. She's a successful multimillionaire musician, but she is not at the vanguard of being a drummer. She just never has been. And all the reviewers acknowledged it at the time, but now woke politics has infested everything and you're not allowed to say stuff like that anymore, even if you privately agree.